Good morning. Good morning, Redeeming Grace Church. Welcome to Redeeming Grace Church. Andrea, welcome to you especially. Come on in and find your seat, please. Um, we are glad that you are here with us. My name is Matt Rawlings, one of the pastors here. We've been going through a series about going from fear to faith. This is our fourth sermon on the series. And um, if you have, have been here and uh, God has been at work in your heart, in your mind, in your life, helping you identify some areas of fear and helping you grow, I want to encourage further growth. We believe that, um, you know, what, what I say is not exhaustive. There are other people who have written wonderful things that have to do with fear. And we have some of these resources out in the lobby for you. Uh, I want to recommend a few of them to you before we get started. There is a little teeny book. It is all of a hundred. 158 pages. It's called From Fear to Freedom. It's about living as sons and daughters of God, how our understanding of who we are as his sons and daughters helps us go from fear to freedom in him. And then another book, which we're going to talk about today. Um, I think I'm getting some feedback. Excellent. Um, are you guys hearing the feedback out there too? Or is it just me? All right, wonderful. Well, they'll work on it. So, um, when people are big and God is small, um, it is not that people actually are bigger than God, but sometimes to us, people can seem bigger than God seems to us. And we're going we're gonna to look at a little bit about this today, but um, this is an excellent book, probably one of the most helpful books if you are or have ever dealt with seeing people as bigger to you and their approval is bigger to you than God is. And so along those lines as well, there's another book called Pleasing People, How Not to Be an Approval Junkie. And uh, by Lou Priolo, that is an excellent resource on living to please God because we already are pleasing to God. And then last, well, almost last but not least, is a book called Running Scared. It's a, an overall book on the topic of fear. Um, I, unfortunately, I didn't read this to begin the series, but I just started reading that this week. And I was like, wow, this is really helpful. Um, it would be really helpful as some application to the messages that we've been hearing from God on fear. So it's called Running Scared, Fear, Worry, and the Rest, not like the remainder of, but the rest of God. And then along with that is a, if you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, these books are all too big. This is 200 pages. You know, I don't know if I can read that. There is a simple little step-by-step guide away from fear and anxiety. It's just a seven-week little devotional, and it's meant to say, hey, spend 15 minutes a day, maybe 20, 15 to 20 minutes a day, reading and thinking and writing down stuff in the little book about how God is revealing himself and revealing faith in him and moving you from fear to faith. So this little book, When I Am Afraid, a step-by-step guide away from fear and anxiety. Uh, I was trying to figure out, is there a good question to ask? But I don't know that I can do that. Um, let me see. Um, who, who would like this book? Just raise your hand. If you want this book for free, I'll give it to you right now. Anybody want this book? All right. I think the first person I saw was right George in the middle. So, George, I'm going to throw it to you. So, don't let it hit your wife. Um, perfect. Excellent. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. I have yet to hit anybody, but <clears throat> there's always a first. Um, When we've been going through the series on fear, and the very first message, the first week, we we looked at how knowing that Yahweh, Jesus, who is Yahweh, that he is our shepherd, that informs our fears and gives us faith, knowing that he cares for us. He actually knows what's best for us. You know, shepherds know what's best for the sheep, right? 
And so we saw that shepherd, the great shepherd, knows what's best for us as sheep. And he, he knows what we need. He knows we need green pastures to lie down in. He knows we need still waters. He, he knows exactly what we need. And he knows where we need to go. And he leads us on those paths. We saw that in the first week. And then, and then the second week, we, just, we, we focused on how the fact that he loves us perfectly. So not only does he know what's best for us, he actually loves us and wants what's best for us. And we saw that a perfect love, knowing that he loves us perfectly, it casts out that fear, knowing that he loves us. And then last week, we saw that not only does he know what's best, does he love us and want what's best, but he actually is able to do that. He's a fortress. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. He's a fortress. He's able. And that informs our fears as well. This week, we're going to address a fear, a really specific one. We haven't gotten as specific. We've made a lot of different applications, but a, a specific fear, and we're going to use a verse that's not typically used to address those fears because I want us to see that all of Scripture actually addresses our fear. Who we are in Christ addresses our fear. And one of the fears that we struggle with, at least I think everyone in the room, whether they admit it or not, and maybe the fear of man keeps you from admitting that, is fear of what people think about you. Fear of approval, fear of their acceptance, fear of being rejected. There's a whole, whole bunch of those things. Or, or wanting to be impressive in other people's eyes, or wanting to find your worth and your value based on what other people think about you. If, if that's you, is, is anybody here ever struggled with any of those things at all? You know, I used to think that, you know, I'm good. I don't struggle with fear of man because I don't care what people think. And actually, it was the reverse. I cared so much what people think that I pretended I didn't care what people thought of me to be cool. And so I'm going to act like I don't care when really I ultimately cared immensely. You know, Proverbs 29, 25, it tells us something about that. It says, the fear of man, it's a snare. What's a snare? It, it lays a snare. It lays a trap for us. It's, it, it lays a trap. It, it lays a place for us to get entrapped by. It traps us into ungodly ways of thinking and acting. It traps us into living for pleasing other people instead of living for pleasing God. The fear of man lays a snare, but trusting in God is safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but look at, look at verse 25. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We want to find out how do we do that? How do we go from fearing man to trusting in the Lord? Maybe ask a different way instead of just asking how many of you struggle with the fear of man in your life. You know, how many find your concern with whether or not people accept you? Anybody here ever doubt, you know, hey, wonder, do people accept me? You ever live that way? Or at least tempts you to change your behavior around them. Maybe, maybe you live with the fear of people not liking you, not loving you. Like you're not ever good enough. Where when somebody says something negative about you, have you ever experienced this? When somebody says something negative about you or negative about what, something which you've done, it affects your sense of worth. Maybe you get angry in response. Or maybe you get despondent and depressed. That's because you're putting your worth in what you do, and so now you feel like you're completely unworthy. We're going to begin to address this fear, and I say begin because it's a lifelong, um, it's a lifelong war. But we're going to do that a little unconventionally. We're going to do that from a scripture that it doesn't say anything directly 
about faith. It doesn't say anything directly about fear, but it does directly address our fears and directly gives us faith. So let's read God's word together from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, would you, would you enable us to actively apply your words to our hearts and our minds this morning? God, your word is living. Your words are the words of life. Your words, they provide us with life. And we have life in Jesus Christ because of your word. God, we want to be open to your word. We want to hear your word. We want to receive your word. God, we desire to be changed by your word. That's why we're here, God, so that you might make us more and more like you. Lord, as we, as we hear, as we seek to apply your words, God, enable us to diligently listen, to pay attention to your word, to think deeply, to do the hard work of applying it to our lives, applying what we hear to the way that we think and the way that we live. God, we ask that you do all this by your grace. It's only possible because of your Holy Spirit, and it's only possible because you've made us alive in you. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to do this miraculous work, and God, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We submit to you. We want to submit to what your word says is true about you, about us. God, enable us to trust in you, to be safe from our fears. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At first, you think, what in the world does this passage have to do with, with faith? What does this passage have to do with fear? And then you do a little digging, you think, well, this, this actually has a lot to do with faith in Christ. And it has, specifically, it's got three different ways that this passage affects our faith. It, it gives us something to believe in. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing, we're seeing that our faith, this is actually the very basis of our faith, the very basis of our belief. This passage affects our faith by giving us something to believe in. We, we don't believe in fairy tales. We, we believe in something that's true objectively, and this passage gives us objective truth about us and about Jesus. Second way it affects our faith and instructs us about what we can do to grow in faith. It actually gives us some instructions, some commands. In light of what we believe, it gives us a couple of commands to, to set and to seek. It gives us commands, what we can do to grow in faith. By believing these realities, by consciously applying them, by seeking to believe this, and by setting our minds on these things. And then the third thing that affects, way it affects our faith is by giving us something to hope in. Not in our hope, not in our glory, but hoping in the glory of Christ, and I think that God intends this passage to apply directly 
not only to what we think, but what we do and what our hope is in. You know, I think truth of Scripture, sometimes we just read a passage and it's like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with this. That doesn't have anything to do with my fears. And, and yet, if you start to understand who you are in Christ, if you start to understand your identity, if you start to understand the reality of what it means to be a Christian, that you're now dead and you've been made alive, that you're in Him and that you are kept safe in Him, then that is going to affect your faith and it's also going to put to rest and put to death your fears. And why do I think I've warned to do that? Well, how, how, you, know, you might be asking, well, wait a minute. I think in this context, it's applying to we're supposed to go and put off and put on things. Well, yes, that's right. But look a little further down in Colossians 3.17. It, it, it's applied more broadly, more generally. It says, in whatever we do, in whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're meant to wrestle with all the truth of Scripture in whatever we do. And we can apply it to the specific area that all of us struggle with. In whatever we do, this, this fear can affect or infect, if you will, everything that we do. And so whatever we do, we want to do this in the name of the Lord, submitting our desires, our will, what we think to Jesus Christ and having him transform us. So I want you to think with me about these truths that we're to believe and actively pursue and hope in and how it specifically addresses our fear. So what does this passage tell us to believe? I want you to think about that for a minute. What is this passage telling us to believe? What is this passage giving us to believe? He tells us some things to do, but before he does that, he really grounds it in what we are supposed to believe. He says, for or because. He says, for or because something here. It's because we are in him. Our faith is that we are with Christ in God. The first way that this passage affects us is to get us to see that our faith is that we are with Christ in God. Our faith is that we are with Christ in God. We're with Christ in God. Right at the outset, we're given something to believe. We don't have to be controlled by what other people think about us because we've died to being controlled by what other people think of us. You know, so often it feels like we can't get away from our fears. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you can't get away from your fears? You ever feel like they control you so much that there's no way you're going to be free and that you just can't, you can't help it? You ever feel that way? Like you're stuck? What you need to know to begin with is that you've died. You've died. Look in verse 3. It says, for, because you've died. Now, obviously, none of us here are dead physically. Um, at least, uh, that's my hope. Um, none of us here are physically dead. But it says, for you die. What does that mean? What is he talking about? He's not talking about a physical death yet. But he's saying that if you have placed your hope in Jesus, you are already counted as if you are dead. And you are dead to the power and the penalty and the punishment of sin. You're no longer enslaved to sin. Yes, the fear of man lays a snare. But you know what? You don't have to give in to that snare. You don't have to fall into that trap. You don't have to get caught up in that snare. We aren't bound by it. Our fear does not have the final say. Why is this scripture important? Because our fear cannot control us because we're dead. We're dead to being controlled by fear. Romans 6, 3 says, Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have hope because we're dead. We don't have to be controlled to that desire to live for other people. We don't have to be controlled by that desire to live for approval. We don't have to be controlled by the desire to be accepted, to be good enough, to to perform. We don't have to be controlled by the fear of man. We're dead to that ruling us. That doesn't mean it doesn't remain, right? I mean, you'd be ridiculous to think that you're not going to be tempted continuously by this fear. But what we can say at the outset is, I don't have to give in to that fear. I don't have to be ruled by or dominated by it because I have died to that control. The desire for value that's based on whether people accept us, that old nature tells us if people don't accept us, then we don't have a place, we don't belong, as if people define us. The fear that we don't have approval of others, we don't have value. The desire for worth and acceptance that is based on what people think about us. The fear, man, it seeks the approval of others to validate us. It's the desire to be good enough on our own, to have people validate that we're good enough. And if we're overcome, if we're to overcome this fear, we have to realize that we don't have to be controlled by that. Because sometimes our fear tells us that we're controlled by that. We're dominated by that. That we have to live that way. But the truth is, we've died to those old desires. We're not enslaved to those desires. If we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, then we've died with Christ. We're not controlled by that. Not only that, look in verse 3. It says, for you've died and what? What's the next phrase there? And your life is what? What does it say? It's hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, Now think about that. What does it mean that your life is hidden? You've died? to the old way of living, and now your entire life is hidden with Christ. What does that mean? Your life is now in his life. You have life now. You're no longer dead. You have life. You're not dead in your sins. You have life, and your life is safe because it's hidden. It's concealed by Christ. It's it's kept safe in Christ. No one else can get to your life because it's hidden in Christ. No one else can affect who you really are. No one else can affect your identity. No one else can affect your worth and your value in Christ because it's hidden, kept safe, concealed, protected in Christ. And that's good news because sometimes people's words affect us and hurt us. And we believe a lie that 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 affects our identity and who we are. And you need to say, I'm I'm actually dead to living for that. And now my life is hidden in Christ. It's protected. It's concealed. My identity is kept safe. You ever ever fear what other people think about you? And you feel like they're looking at you in a weird way. And like, oh man, they're looking like they don't approve of me. If you think of this, you think, wait a minute. I'm, I'm actually hidden in Christ. I am safe from their gaze because My life is hidden in Christ, no matter how they look at me. We don't have to fear people finding out who you really are. We can can actually reveal the struggles and who we are because our identity is kept safe. Our identity won't be affected by people seeing us. Our identity won't be affected by how people perceive you if you understand that your life is hidden, your identity, your very person is hidden in Christ. It's safe. It can't be taken away. Fears turn to faith knowing that we're hidden in Christ. Do you know that your very life is kept safe in him? That your 
identity, who you are, is kept in Christ. It cannot be affected. It's hidden with Christ. And where is Christ? Where does the scripture tell us? It says with Christ, and what's the next two words? In God. Who's going to take you, who's going to take Jesus out of God? Right? This is Jesus who is in God, and we are hidden, our life is hidden with Christ in God. There's no one greater than God. There's no one able to thwart God's plans. There's no one who's able to take us from God's hand. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. It is kept secure. Our life is with Christ and in God. We belong to God. I want you to think about that for a moment. If we are with Christ and in God, then we belong in God. It's not that somehow he just allows us in. It's now because we are, our, our very life is hidden with Christ that we too are in God. We belong in God because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, the penalty for all of your unrighteousness, all of your unholiness, all of your sins, all of your weaknesses, every area that you fall short, that you are not holy, you are not as good as you should be. Jesus has paid the price for all those things. So all those things are hidden in him. He's paid the price for all those things. All of your weaknesses, all of your failings, they're hidden with Christ in God. But not only that, our life on the positive side is hidden with Christ in God. All of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, every worth Every worthy action, every worthy thought, every worthy thing that Jesus has done and said, you are actually now, your life is tied up in his life. It's hidden with Christ in God. And you belong in God because of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, then that can't be said of you. And there's reason to fear. But here's the hope this morning is that you don't have to stay there. You can place your faith in the fact that Jesus died in your place. And if he died in your place, you died when he died. You count yourself as dead to sin, alive to Jesus. And you can claim this. My life is hidden with Christ in God. And no one can affect who I am. We have faith because our life is hidden with Christ and God. And then look in verse 1. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ. You're not just dead to sin, but you've been raised in Christ. You can have faith that you don't have to be enslaved to sin. You've died to it. You've been raised to new life. And your life is protected and kept safe. You not only are dead, you're alive. You're alive in Christ. And your very life is held by Christ, defined by Christ. We have the resurrection power of Jesus. We're not bound by the things of this earth. We have his power. So how does that apply to what we, what we think? How do you think of yourself? When you think of yourself, what's the very first thing you think of? Do you think, wait a minute, my life, I'm, I'm, all my old way of living, my old desires, my old wants, what I was living for, the approval of other people, all those old sinful desires, I'm actually dead to those things. I don't have to be bound to those things. And, and then do you think, hey, you know what? I'm actually alive. I can live to please him. I can live for him because my life is in him and I'm hidden. My identity, my very being is hidden in him. But you know, so often when people criticize us, we think something else of ourselves. We think what's not true. 
And, and we, we need to do something here. And the scripture gives us something to do. It doesn't just give us something to believe that we're hidden with Christ, that we've been dead to, made dead to sin and raised to life, and that our identity, our very life is hidden with him. It actually gives us something to do as well. And it, and it tells us how our faith, it's applied by seeking and by setting our minds on things above. By seeking and setting our minds on things above. Now think for a minute, what, what do we seek? When we're seeking the approval of other people, we're seeking not the things above, but we're seeking what? Things vertically, right? When we're seeking worth or value in, in what people think of us, we're not seeking things above or worth and value there. We're, we're seeking things here on earth. And so when we have those moments, say, wait a minute, I, I'm going to put my mind, I'm gonna, instead I'm going to seek, I'm going to seek the things above, I'm going to set my mind on the things above. Instead of what motivates me, those desires, those earthly desires, be motivated by my worth, my value, my acceptance, my approval found in other people, I'm going to say, you know, wait a minute, I'm going to seek the things above. I'm going to seek approval in him, knowing that I have approval in him. I'm going to seek uh, acceptance in him, knowing that I have acceptance in him. I'm going to seek worth and value, knowing that I have worth and value in him. That's seeking the things above and setting our minds on the things above conforming our wants, our desires to the things above. You know, to seek is, is to have to, to drive, be driven by something. You know, what you seek is what drives you. So think for a minute, you know, what, what, what do I seek? You know, do I, do I seek worth or value from what I do? Do I seek worth and value from what people say of me? Do I, do I seek approval from other people? Do I seek acceptance from other people? If my, if my spouse doesn't like what I do, do I feel like somehow I'm less worthy if my friends, um, they don't think I'm cool, then somehow does that affect my value? If people don't think I've done a good job, then somehow am I worth less? And what drives you? What motivates you? This, we're meant to take Scripture and actually apply it to our wants, our desires, our motives. And so when this Scripture says, here's who you really are. You have died. You have raised to life in Christ. And, and now your life, your very identity is hidden with Christ. Now you've got to learn to have that affect how you think, what you're seeking, what you're desiring, what you're setting your mind on. What we seek, it, it, trans, it transforms the way we think, it transforms the way we act. Are you seeking the things above? Are you seeking to set your mind on the things above? You know, our minds naturally tell us that, that we're not good enough. We're not good enough to be accepted by God. We're not, there's no way he'll accept us. We're not, we're not good enough to be accepted by people. You know, if people only knew, they would never accept me. So, I, you know, I've got to find, either find worth, if I'm thinking that way, or make worth. You know, I either, I, I'm not good enough to secure what I think will make me successful. We think that we're not good enough to make ourselves acceptable. And so we try to make ourselves acceptable. We try to be successful. We try to find worth or value. We, we try to be impressive because we think we're not impressive enough, so we try to be impressive to other people because we think that if we, have, if we are impressive, if we have worth, we have value, then, then that is where our identity is. That's what gives us value. And we say, no, wait a minute. I, I'm going to seek the things above where Christ is. My life is there. That's where my value is. That's where my worth is. You know, if I can only achieve my goals, then maybe I might be valuable enough. Maybe I might be good enough. You ever feel that way? 
you know, I feel like, hey, I failed in my goals. I, I'm not, I, can't, I can't make these dreams come true, and so I must not be valuable. And so you either despair or you work overly hard and become driven. And both are motivated by fear. Both are motivated by setting our mind on the things here on earth. Setting our mind on our value, our worth, coming from the things around us and who we are. You know, it's, it's the thing that, that Adam and Eve, they wanted at the beginning, is they wanted value, they wanted worth in themselves and the things of this earth and what they could do instead of saying, no, my value, our worth, everything we are about, it's in God. We fear being exposed before God. We, so we seek worth in ourselves. We fear being exposed by other people, so we try to be good enough. And fear reveals what we're living for, that we're living for the things of the earth, that our wants, our desires, what we think will help us or give us what we think we, we want or need. And what we need, he tells us, is to set our mind on the things above, on where, where Christ is. Now think about that for a moment. Why, why is Christ with God? He's with God because he's completely accepted by God. Um, in every way. Not only was he eternally acceptable and righteous and holy, but then when he came to earth, he earned, he earned that righteousness as well. He earned all the favor and all the acceptance of God by obeying God perfectly in every way. And so he earned acceptance before God in every way. And so now our life is hidden with his life, and we are completely accepted by God. Think of how infinite the value of Jesus is, that he's infinitely valuable. He's infinitely worthy. Our life is in him. And so our worth before God is the same as Jesus's worth before God. That's scandalous. And it has nothing to do with what you could do. How arrogant it would be to think that, that we can actually create worth before God. And so we set our minds to say, no, I refuse to give in to that. I want to see that my worth is completely tied up in who Jesus is and his worth. I, I, I can never be righteous enough, so I don't have to try to strive to earn the favor and approval of other people because Jesus has a favor and approval of God, the only one whose approval ever has mattered and ever will matter, and Jesus is approved by God. So if we are with Jesus, we're in him, we're approved by God. Completely approved by God. That's going to affect how you interact with the people. That's going to free you from having to live for the people's approval. I'm approved by God. I'm accepted by God. I have all the worth of Jesus because I'm with Christ in God. I don't have to be tied up. And I've died to those old desires. Now, i got to set my mind, daily setting our minds, seeking the things above, seeking what? His value, his worth, his acceptance. You know what? We have had those things already. And so now we set our mind on those things above. Saying, God, I want to live for your pleasure because I am completely pleasing to you. I can. God, I don't want to live for my kingdom I don't want to live for my things, my honor, my glory, because you know what? I'm in you already. There can be nothing greater than that. We need to relate to God without fear. And because our life is hidden with Christ, we've died to the old man, we've been raised to life. Because we are with Christ in God, we no longer have any reason to fear. Think about that. If God does not reject you, then 
then all of man's rejection doesn't matter. Your acceptance is completely and finally totally secure. Your approval is completely secure. No one can take that from you because it's in Christ. It's with Christ in God. That's what will free us from living for ourselves, having confidence. Think. That's, that's true confidence, not in ourselves. You know, the, the whole idea of self-confidence is really ridiculous, isn't it? Who of us can say that we're perfect in every way? Well, none of us. Who of us can say, you know what, I'm right before God on my own? None of us. That, that somehow I've earned God's approval and he's like, wow, you are impressive. I'm really impressed with you, Joe. I'm really impressed with you, Sally. I'm really impressed with you, Bob. I, I'm so impressed. Wow, that's amazing. You've surprised me. Somehow you become perfect in every way. And yet here is the thing, is that we don't have to be bound by living that way because you are impressive because you have the very worth of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us impressive. It's not our own worth. It's the worth of Jesus. And we've died, and we've been raised to life in him, and our life is with Christ and God. He already looks at you with all the love, all the affection, all the acceptance all of the worth and value of Jesus Christ. Set your minds on those things to be free from living for our own self-worth or value. And you can even tell yourself, you know, how ridiculous that I would try to have value on my own right now because I have all the value already of Jesus. Why would I trade that in for something far lesser? It'd be like driving up to the Ford dealership in a brand new Lamborghini and saying, you know what, hey, I'm gonna trade this in for the brand new Taurus. I mean, no offense on the Taurus, but <laughs> they're just of different values, right? Why would you drive the righteousness of Christ into God's presence and say, look what I've done with this inferior worth and value? Why, why would you do that? Why would you try to have that value on your own when you have all the value, all the worth, all the acceptance you could ever want? Set our minds on the things that are above, where Christ is. Look at, look at the next verse, the next part of verse 1. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand of God. So think about that. He has sat down. He doesn't need to continue to do work because his work is finished. He's not continuously working to, to put to death sin. He's not continuously working to overcome our weakness, overcome everything. He's not continuously working to pay the penalty for our sins. It's already been finished, and he is seated. So every, every part of your life, all of the worth of Jesus, he's, he's already finished doing. You don't have to strive. You know, strive for worth or value. He already has completed it. He's seated. He's seated there. He belongs there. And if we are with Christ, and our life is with Christ in God, then here's the thing. We're seated with God. We belong in God's presence. We can rest. We can sit down and not try to strive and earn favor before God or before the people. We can, we can, we can rest. We can, we can be seated beside God saying, hey, I am in Jesus Christ. And because of that, I, I, I count myself as seated at the right hand of God because of the merits of Jesus. 
And, and freedom from things below comes from seeking the things that are above. You don't live for your own glory, your own kingdom. You seek his kingdom, his glory. As we, we order to seek those things above, we set our minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Look in verse 2. It says, don't set your mind on things of the earth. Set your mind on things that are above. What, what are some of the things on the earth? I mean, especially as it re- deals with our fears, you know, other people, their acceptance, their worth. I'm going to set my mind on the things above instead of the things of the earth. Set my mind on the fact that I'm married to Jesus. I am united with Christ. I am one with him. We get his riches. He gets our debt. And Christ defeated sin. He's, he's turned away God's wrath. We're free from sin and condemnation. No fear of death. No fear of the devil. No fear of what anyone says about us. We have a new life. And it's with Christ in God. He's in heaven. Our real life is there. No one can take us from there. God's will is done perfectly there. He's at his right hand. We share in the favor of Jesus. We share in full access to God. We share in his ruling and reigning somehow. Jesus is at God's right hand. He has all of God's favor. That's the place, the position of favor. And it says we're with Christ in God. We have all the favor of God. We're welcome in his presence. Our life is hidden with Christ. Above is God's kingdom, eternal joy. We're, we're in Christ, been raised to be at his right hand. If you're with Christ, you're in union with him and you are in union with God. Never rejected forever secure, resting in his works, not fearing our deficiencies. And he's above all, meaning he's conquered. He's done his work on earth. It's finished. The third way this passage affects our faith is by giving us something to hope in. It gives us something to hope in. It gives us a true and sure hope. Our faith rests in the certainty of the hope of glory. Our faith, it rests in the certainty of the hope of glory. That's what this passage is telling us. Our faith, it actually rests in the certainty of the hope of glory. You know, how does, how does belief affect our hope? We're, what we're to hope in and, and, and how our hope affects the things we fear in our objective faith. Well, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, it tells us. When Christ, who is your life, it's an objective truth. When Christ, who is your life, where your life is hidden, he defines your life. He is your life. He's the source of life. He's your hope in life. He is your life. When he appears, it says, then you also will appear with him in glory. What is that telling us? We have a hope that is secure, It's not like we have to earn favor before God. No, we've already earned that favor because of Jesus Christ. He's earned the favor for us, something we could never do. He has earned his favor. And now, one day, we'll be completely free and we'll appear with him in glory. You know, I was thinking about how fear of man has to do with worship, doesn't it? We're actually worshiping other people. We're worshiping what they think of us. We're worshiping as if this this God of other people, if we get their approval, then we will, then we'll be okay, as if that's what we really need. It becomes our functional God. Fear of man, it's all about worship. It's about worshiping other people, and it's really ultimately about self-worship. 
And yet Jesus has rescued us so that we no longer live for self-worship or the worshiping other people, but now we can live for the worship of God because we're completely accepted of him, knowing that forever we will worship him in glory. He's rescued us. We're hidden in him. We're his. We have this new identity, new purpose. We don't live for our worship any longer because we will be completely glorified in him. We live for his glory now. If you know that something is yours already, it's already secure, you don't have to strive to get it. If you already know that the glory of Jesus, it actually will be given to you in totality, that you'll be with him in glory, he'll, he'll give you his own glory, then don't live for any lesser glories here. He's completely holy in all of his attributes. How glorious is that? And we're going to share that glory. Why live for anything far lesser? We've died. We're free to stop living for our glory. We're free to, to live for his glory now. His glory is lasting. It's eternal. It's perfect. And his glory is what we will forever be enamored by. And, and here's the wonderful thing. When he appears, we also will appear with him in glory. Fears turn to faith in our future hope and glory will be glorified in him one day. Don't lose heart in the struggle is what this scripture is telling you. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Yes, there is a battle that we have. Yes, we, we need to believe something is true about who we are in Christ. Yes, we're to set our mind on things above. Yes, we're to seek the things above. But here's the good news. It will be complete one day. One day we also will appear with him in glory. So we don't lose heart now. We don't stop battling now. We don't stop believing now. We don't stop setting our minds on the things above now because we know that one day these things will result in appearing with him in glory. The work of, of change will be over. Until then, we have something to believe, something to set our minds on, something to hope in. Amen? Well, let's pray. Another band, go ahead and come up as we, as we do. Father, I pray that you would let us see where our true identity is. God, I pray that we would renounce having any identity in ourselves, that in seeking any worth, any value on our own apart from you. God, I pray that we would see that we have the utmost value and worth because our life, our very life, is hidden with Christ and God. Pray that we would have faith, seeing that we've died to our sinful desires, that we've been made new, resurrected to you. God, I pray that you would grow our faith, seeing that our hope will one day be fulfilled, and in the meanwhile, we can seek the things above because our life is with you. We can set our mind on things above because our life is hidden with you and secure in you and we will be glorified in you. God, give us fresh faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.